All right, let's get our Bibles here to Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. This morning we're going to read the first eight verses. And I thought about letting the choir sit down. I thought, no, 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 no. It's not right that I suffer by myself uh, up here. And we'll all sweat. So this is going to be the stinkiest part of the church is right up here. Uh, Of course, it was that way last week too. And uh, been that way ever since. But uh, Judges chapter 7. Let's all stand together here for the reading of God's word, please. A little discouraged there. David, could you get your slipper in the middle of the aisle you left? I think that belongs to Miss Kayla. Just sit on her chair under there. That's fine. Thank you. Um, A little discouraged this morning. Boy, I had a whole slew of people lined up to go soul, or not to go soul, but that that got saved uh, this last couple weeks, and they were supposed to be here this morning. And not a one of the rascals answered their phone. Uh, Man, I was uh, not happy with them. But you know what? I love them the same. Uh, Quincy and Larissa are gone. They're getting married uh, here just, uh, uh, I don't think it's today. I think it's, I think it's tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. They're getting married. So they'll be back by next Sunday. Sometime they fly in, Lord willing. And so uh, Judges chapter 7, we're looking for guys in the choir. If you want to join the choir, we need some men in the choir. We don't have any men in the choir. we got three boys up here now, but we need... We need some men in the choir. And uh, Johannes, you got to join choir. Okay, good. Get there. Yeah, right now. Get there. You're joining choir. Amen. That's good. See how he's that Anybody else want to join? And uh, Matthew's out of town, and he'll be back for choir in a couple of weeks. And we have several folks out uh, doing ungodly things right now, like fishing. Uh, Judges 7, verse number 1. I'll read verse 1. You read verse 2. I'll read verse 3. You read verse 4, etc. And we'll go through verse uh, number 8. I want to preach this morning on this title of Just a Few Good Men. Just a few good men. I hope you'll you'll listen. Uh, I should I should be um, uh, politically correct and say just a few good people. Um, <laughs> listen, you laugh when I think it's funny, not when you think it's funny. Okay, um, Judges chapter seven. I'm gonna preach by myself this morning. I can tell. Verse one. Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the well of Harod so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley together. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And they returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand together. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. I think this is kind of interesting. You know, uh, God says to Gideon right there, he said, the people are too many and I will try them for thee. He said, I'll take care of this for you. I don't think Gideon was, was wanting God to take care of. I think God, I think Gideon was already a little nervous about losing two thirds of the crowd. And uh, God said, I'll take care of this for you, Gideon. Don't worry about it. Verse five. So he brought down the people into the water and the Lord said unto Gideon, every one that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink together. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300 men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the 300 men that lappeth will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand. And let all the other people go every man unto his place. So the people took vittles in their hand and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man unto his tent, and retained those 300 men, and the law of Midian was beneath him in the valley. And, of course, we know the, the rest of the story. They obviously win the battle. Let's pray here this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless uh, the meeting here and that you would use it. Uh, we are a few folk here today. And it's uh, uncomfortable here today. And it would be easy to let our, our bodies get uncomfortable, our minds to wander. And yet, Lord, I pray if we take the next 30 or 40 minutes or so and just keep us 
uh, close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. not of works or tell of good deeds for not have I done to merit his grace all glory and praise shall rest upon him so willing to die my place. I will glory in the cross, in the cross, lest his suffering all be in vain. I will weep no more for the cross that he I will glory in the cross. My trophies and crowns, my robes, stained with sin twas all that I had to lay at his feet unworthy to eat from the table of life till love made provisions for me I will suffering all be in vain I will weep no more for the cross that he bore I will glory in the Let's bow our heads, please, in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the, the message here to follow and that you would use it uh, this morning to speak to our hearts and give us what we need. In Jesus' name, amen. God has now, uh, once again, allowed his people to suffer at the hand of the enemy. He's brought them into bondage again under the hand of the Midianite army. So often God does this when his people, uh, they're not walking with him and they're not uh, living for him and doing the right thing. Uh, when we start to stray, God will step in and bring us back 
into the path. Often God starts with a, with a word. He starts with some uh, still small voice and small nudges. But sometimes God takes drastic measures. And sometimes God has to get our attention. And then that's what he's doing here in the, throughout the book of Judges. And another time here, Israel has gone off and served false gods. And he's brought them back under the hand of this Midianite people. The Midianites at this time, uh, they were not occupying the land uh, that Israel was living in. However, they came through annually. And uh, the, the, uh, the uh, Israelites, they would plant their crops. And right about harvest time, when everything was ready to be harvested and all the animals had been uh, grown up and ready to be slaughtered, in came the Midianites. And the Bible refers to it almost like a locust invasion. They came in and destroyed everything. They tore down their houses. They burnt stuff up. They stole all the crops. They took all the animals and left Israel with absolutely nothing. Afterwards, after they had left and the land was desolate, uh, the Israelites would start planting again and rebuilding again and trying to get their life back together. And Well, by a year later, in came the Midianites. They would do the same thing again. And this went on for several years. And uh, they would just pillage the land like locusts. Uh, finally, God called a man named Gideon to step up and deliver them from the hand of uh, the Midianites. And Gideon, he was going to defeat them. Now, the Midianites about this time were running somewhere about 130 to 150,000 people. That's a lot of people. And uh, out of those, their, their trained army was over 12,000 uh, a, a trained uh, militia. Gideon, he starts off with 32,000 men. Now, obviously, they're not trained men. They're just farmers. They don't really have any weapons, but they're willing and uh, got 32,000 men together. It's okay, we're going to go fight them. And God comes down and says, now Gideon, hold on a second. He said, I have a problem. I, I don't want you to go down with, with 32,000 men and fight this, this army because you have them outnumbered. And I don't, when it's all said and done, I don't want you to be able to say, look what we did. We did this. Boy, that's, that's, God hates pride. Isn't it funny? When we think about the awful sins, we think about murder, and we think about rape, and we think about uh, all the... Hey, the, God looks at the awful sins. He calls pride one of the worst sins that are out there. He hates pride. And so um, uh, he said, I don't want you to be able to think that you had anything to do with this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to send some of these people away. So I want you to stand in front of these 32,000 men and ask them, anybody who is afraid... Go home. Well, I, I don't know about you, but I'd be afraid going to war. And uh, boy, 32,000 men, and I don't know if it was that 32, the only, only uh, 22,000 were afraid, or if it was only the 22,000 admitted to being afraid. But 22,000 of those men said, we're scared. They turned around and went home. That leaves Gideon now with 10,000. Boy, I'm sure Gideon was a little nervous himself. and thought, my goodness, 10,000 people. Uh, we're going against a, a huge number here, 100, 135,000 of them. And, and out of those, he said, there's, there's 12,000 or uh, 12,000 trained soldiers. God looked down to Gideon and said, Gideon, still got too many. I want you to take them down to the, the water. And, and uh, the, some of them will, will get on their hands and knees and drink the water like a dog. And some will, will bow down on one knee and pull water up to their mouth. He said, as you watch the people drink, I want you to separate those two crowds, and I'll tell you what to do with them. So as they started drinking and, and Gideon separating them, you know, and he ends up, by the time he's done, he has 9,700 over here and 300 over here. I think Gideon probably said about that time, whew, only lost 300 that time. And uh, God said, uh, Gideon, send the, 95, the 9,700 home. Oh, my goodness. He sends them home. Now he's at the mercy of God. I got 300 people. What are we going to do? And we know the story. Out of that, those 300 men, God gave them a great victory. Because Gideon, listen, Gideon only needed a few good men. You know, a few good people, a few good men. I'm a, when I say good men, let's just get this to the open. Now. When I say good men, I mean good men, good ladies, good kids, good teenagers, okay? So that's settled for the rest of the service, all right? Uh, so I, I know every time I say a few good men, all the ladies go, who doesn't include me? No, it does include you. Uh, it's, uh, uh, he just needs a few good men. Uh, first of all, these 300 men, they did something. They said, Amen. Did you know that? They did. Johannes, they said amen when the preacher was preaching. I don't know where that is in the Bible somewhere. So say amen uh, today a little bit. You know, uh, God doesn't need an army. He just needs a few good men. 
That's all he needs. Uh, all of Judah, they had been gathered together and, and they were taken into captivity in the land of Babylon. And here they are now in, in uh, Babylonian, uh, uh, the Babylonian Empire under Babylonian control. And uh, the king set up this 90-foot tall statue, golden statue, probably looked awful like Nebuchadnezzar. And he set up this great big statue and he put out the decree and said, when the music begins to play, as all the music plays, everybody in the whole nation is going to bow down to my golden statue. And you will bow down and worship. You won't worship any other god. You'll only worship that one god. And boy, uh, so they, they put it in motion and everybody was about their business. And all of a sudden, the, uh, the, the band strikes up and the music begins to play. And everybody dropped what they were doing. And they all turned and, and bowed down to the idol except for three boys. Three of these young men, they stood up and they said, you know what? We're not bowing down. We're just going to stand firm and we're going to stand right here. We're not going to bow. The king liked those boys. Matter of fact, you read a few verses before that. The Bible says they were his hired servants. They were his employees and they would not bow. And so he pulls them in and no doubt the king liked them and it grieved him to, 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 to hurt them or harm them. He said, listen, boys, I'm going to give you another chance, but you got to bow or I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And they stood up to their own boss and their employer and they stood up to the, uh, the King Nebuchadnezzar and they stood up to him and said, look, King, we're not going to bow. We're going to stand and we're not bowing down. I don't care what you do. Turn this furnace up seven times hotter. Throw us in. But we are not going to bow. We're going to stand right here because our God is able to deliver us. But if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow down to your idol. The king got furious and he, he cranked up the furnace uh, temperature and he grabbed them and said, we're going to throw you boys in that fire. And he did. And God saved them. The boys came out. You know that. But I'll ask a question for you today. Out of all the people that were in that land, what are the names of them? You know, we don't know the name of a single rascal that bowed, but we know of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's who we know of. Why? Because they did not bow. I'm saying it just takes a few good men, and they went down in, the, in history, and because of those men, hundreds and thousands of people throughout history have been encouraged to take a stand. Why? Because of a few good men. That's all it takes is a few. David sits over there up on the hill, and he overlooks Bethlehem. He looks over Bethlehem and where he grew up and boy, he got thirsty for some of that good old cold well water. And he said, man, he said to himself, I'd sure like to have some of that water. I'd have a drink of the of water of Bethlehem again. There were three boys behind him. These three men said, you hear that? Let's go get him. Let's go get him some water. So these three boys, the Bible says they, they didn't just walk down there and get a drink. The Bible says they break through the host of the Philistines. You know what that means? They break through. That means they went in with swords drawn and they fought their way in, got the water, and fought their way back out again. I mean, these are three mighty men and they went to battle. I don't know what they put the water in. Maybe they put it in a helmet, uh, maybe a, a, some sort of a cistern. I don't know. But they, they went in there and they fought and they battled and two of them are fighting everybody off. The third one's down there getting water out of the well. Then they, then they got to hold the water without spilling it. And they get back and they fight their way back out and they get back up there and they give it to David. No doubt they're hot, they're sweaty, they're bloody, they're bruised up. They've probably suffered some uh, battle wounds and they get back there and they give it to David and those two Three men we today hold in high regards of faithful men and loyal men. But listen, it was just a few good men that did a great job for David. David, or not David, but the, the Lord, he finds himself in a house. Jesus comes to a home and, and there the people begin to gather. Hundreds gathered around. They packed the house out. They were packed all around the windows, the door, as far as you could hear. They were gathered around that house because Jesus was doing some miracles and healing people. Outside, there was a man who wanted to get in, but he couldn't because he, was, he suffered of a palsy or, or suffered of a, a paralysis. And he had four friends, though, and these four men, they said, we got to get our friend to Jesus. So they picked up their, their friend and laid him on a blanket, and they got the four corners. They picked him up. They carried him over there. They tried to get in the front door, but they could, nobody let him in. They tried the windows, but they were packed out. They tried the backside of the house, but they couldn't get in. And they could not find a way in. And they were asking, listen, let us through. This man, our friend, needs to get to Jesus. Nobody let him in. Finally, one guy said, hey, there's a ladder over here. And they got a ladder and they, they put it up and they got up on the roof and perhaps they got some ropes and they, they hoisted their friend up. They got him on the roof and they came over and they started busting a hole in the roof and pulling away shingles and, and digging out oh, everything that was in between and, and pulled out a hole in the middle of somebody's roof. 
And there they took the ropes and they lowered the man down right there in front of Jesus Christ. And the Lord looked up and he said, now I have not seen faith like that in a long time. Hey, take up your pen and walk. Your faith has made you whole. And he healed the man. And the man went out of there praising God. Why? Because of a few good men. That's all it takes is a few good men. Remember the Israelites are going up against the Philistine army. They were camped out one night, and on the other hill on the other side was this great, massive Philistine army. On this side, a few untrained soldiers of the Israelites. Nighttime falls. Everybody's asleep, but Jonathan gets up. Jonathan gets up and grabs his armor bearer. You know, every man needs an armor bearer. Every man of God needs a, 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 a right-hand man that's by his side, that's faithful, that's loyal, that'll help him succeed in the job he's got to do. He gets up his armor bearer. He says, come with me. They went over there and they looked at the host of the Philistines. And they said, let you and I go over there and kill him. <laughs> Imagine the armor bearer. Are you crazy? He said, as your heart is, so is mine. I'll go with you. They went over there and they, they put together a little plan that we'll let ourselves be known to them. If they tell us to stay here, we will. We'll take that as a sign from God. If they tell us to come over and fight them, then we will. They came over. They hollered out to the Philistines. The Philistines said, come on over. We'll show you a thing or two. And Jonathan says, no, we'll show you a thing or two. And they got their stuff and, and they started down that valley and up the other side of that hill. And, and they slaughtered a number of people in the first a little, a little bit of, of land that they went through. And by the time they got to the top, the, the earth had shaken and God had stepped in and intervened. And the whole Philistine army turned on themselves and they started killing each other. And they started scattering and, and, they, and, they, and, they, and they fled. Why? Because of a few you good men that decided, I'll do something about it. I'll stand for God. I'll make a difference. And they did a great job. And those few good men won. Samaria was besieged. Surrounding it was the Syrians. The Syrians had them besieged to the point that they had no more food. They had no more water. The land was very desolate now. The Syrians have been outside, no doubt, for many months waiting for them to either starve to death or finally give up and come out. However, there's four men that were not inside of Samaria that were cast outside because they had leprosy. And these four men that had leprosy, they're sitting outside and they're just as hungry and nobody will have anything to do with them. And they're sitting outside and they say, well, we're going to die. I say we just go over and ask the Syrians if we can have some food. Let's go, let's go talk to them. And if they kill us, well, then they kill us. We're going to die anyway. What's the big deal? Okay. So these four lepers decide they're going to go to the Syrians. And, and so they start walking through the woods. And as they're walking through the woods, God magnified that noise and confused the Syrian army to the point that they thought it was a mighty uh, host coming in and that they had called for reinforcements and chariots and horses and soldiers were coming in. And, and all of a sudden, the Syrian army got scared and they dropped everything and they ran for their life. They left their horses. They left their food. They left their animals. They left their tents. They left it all behind. And these four lepers walked in to a, a, a feast. They walked into a massive uh, a, a spoil. And they said, wow, look what we have. We have everything we'll ever need right here. And they said, let's let our brothers know in Samaria. And Samaria that day was let go and they were let free. And they had a great spoil. Why? Because of a few good men. That's all it takes is a few good men. I think we're under the wrong impression today that we need great armies and we need Christians by the billions and we need some sort of a massive impact. No, we don't. What we need is just a few Christians that live for God. Just a few good men. That's all we need. And it'll do great things for God. God's people, he is always, they read the Bible, God is always reserved for himself a remnant. Just a handful. That's all God needs, just a handful. God doesn't need a golden corral. He just needs a few loaves of bread and a few small fishes. That's all he needs. God just needs a little bit that's left over, and God will do great things. Remember in the book of Revelation, they, they had the different churches, and he said things about the, the good things as well as bad things about those churches? There's one church named Sardis, and this is what God said about the church in Sardis. He said, thou hast a few names in Sardis which have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy just a few just a few names that's all it was he said oh, the church of sardis there wasn't the whole church that was spotless it wasn't the uh, the, the majority of the crowd that was spotless he said out oh, of the church of sardis there was one 
There was one, there was one, and there's one over there that they did not defile themselves. They are the ones that are walking white. They'll be the ones that make it because God just needs a few. You look at David. After David leaves and, and is driven from his throne and he's running for his life and, and uh, from his own son, and David has accomplished many things. Do you know how many mighty men David had? 37. 37. All the battles that he won, all the victories that he had, the fear that he brought upon people and kings in the area were because of David and 37 men. Just a few good men. That's all we need. Jesus himself comes down, takes the whole then known world. And when Jesus comes to the then known world, what did he do? He picked out 12 men. One of them had a devil, so he didn't even count. He had 11 men. 11 men. And he took those 11 men and spent three and a half years training them. And by the time it was done and Jesus died and went back to heaven, those, third, uh, those 11 men, they flipped the world upside down. And we have the gospel today because of those 11 men 2,000 years ago. Why? Just a few good men. Sodom and Gomorrah, wicked, wicked area. By the way, the, if you'll read your Bible, we always say God, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of homosexuality. No, he didn't. Listen, we, we were in San Francisco for a week. I'm telling you something. I, I, I thought I was going to AIDS just bring it, breathe in the air. Uh, it's bad. It's all over the place down there. I mean, the, 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 the rainbow flag everywhere. Uh, listen, it's ungodly. There's a church here in town. A church here in town, oh, they, got, they, they, they have the rainbow flags up there. They have a whole board in their church promoting homosexuality and homosexual marriages. What is wrong with us? Listen, that's wicked. That's vile. That's ungodly. That's, that is one of the lowest blows of, uh, of, of completely taking everything that's holy and righteous and has any resemblance of God and destroying it. But they, uh, uh, they, that's not what Sodom got destroyed for. The Bible says Sodom was destroyed because of their pride and because they had plenty and because they rose up to play. It was their pride and their pleasures and their abundance is what killed them. But anyways, here they are now, Sodom and Gomorrah, this land that's ready to be destroyed. God sends a couple angels down and stops at Abraham's house. He says, Abraham, we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. We're just letting you know because you have a nephew named Lot there. We're going to destroy the whole place. Abraham gets concerned. Neighbor says, now hold on a second. He goes to God says, now God, I, 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 listen, I'm going to be kind of bold here, but I don't think it's right for you to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, that whole great land of, 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 of literally tens of thousands of people. He said, what if there's 50 people that are godly? What if there's 50 that are righteous? Are you going to destroy them too? I mean, the thing, and God said, okay, Abraham, if there's 50 righteous, I won't destroy the land. Abraham said, thank you, thank you. Then Abraham got thinking, well, man alive, what if we just come a little shy of that? I mean, think about it, God. What if you're missing five out of the 50? Let's just say you're lacking five. Now, you wouldn't destroy it for 50, but what if you only find 45 righteous? Are you going to destroy it for the four, the, because of the lack of five? God said, if I, if I only find uh, 45 righteous, I'll save the land. He said, yeah, but what if we come a little short of the 45? What if there's only 40 righteous? Then what are we going to do? He said, if there's 40 righteous, I won't destroy it. He said, what about 30 righteous? God said, I won't destroy the land for 30 righteous. He continued on and said, well, what if we only find 20 righteous? Then we destroy the land. He said, I will not destroy it if I find 20 righteous there. And Abraham says, listen, God, don't get, please don't get upset with me, but let's just say there's only 10 righteous people in all of Sodom and Gomorrah. Are you going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and those 10 righteous? God said, if I find 10 righteous, I'll not destroy that land. Listen, God, it only took 10, just a handful, just a few good men to save all of Sodom and Gomorrah. And let me tell you something, it's only going to take a few to save Anchorage. It'll only take a few to save Anchorage. All we need is a few good men. John Wesley said this, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin. And desire nothing but God. And I care not a straw whether they be clergymen or laymen. Such alone those hundred preachers will shake the gates of hell and set the kingdom of heaven back up on earth. 
He said, if I get 100 men who love nothing but God and hate nothing but sin, we'll bring God back to the earth and the kingdom of heaven will be set up. The whole world will be saved. If we can just get 100 good men. Hey, I ask you today, we just need a few good men. Where are they? Where are they? Are they in this church? I don't think so. It's sad. But we dead sure to find a few good men to stand here and roar about this church and say, our family's making a difference. Our, 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 our city needs a difference. And we believe in our God. And we believe in our kids. And we believe in our future. We believe in our country. We believe in our state. We believe in our church. And most of all, we believe in our God. And we'll stand and be those few good men to make a difference. We just need a few. I thought if we had 10 men and we had 10 ladies, and we had 10 teenagers that'll be sold out for God, we'd flip Anchorage upside down. There's nothing we couldn't do. This place, we would make an impact in Anchorage, and the devil would take a run for his money. If I just had 10 men and 10 ladies and 10 teenagers who hate nothing but sin and love nothing but God, we'll change the course of this town. I just need a few. A few good men. A few men, a few ladies, a few people who are serious about serving God. I mean, you get serious about God. You know what I'm sick of? I'm sick and tired of people playing church. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of some of you coming to church and sleeping. I'm tired of some of you coming here like you, like you have to be here. You don't have to be here. Go. Go. Give us, give, listen, give, give us room for somebody else to take your place. You don't have to be here. But you come in, well, you come in here and you bring a bad spirit. You come in like you don't want to be here. You come in here and you're all miserable. I'm saying, give me some men that stop playing church, some ladies that stop playing church, and some teenagers who stop playing church, and get something inside of them and say, hey, you know what? I am a child of God, and I'm going to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and start living right for him. Hey, I'm talking about men and ladies and teenagers who will stop living in sin and start hating sin. It's time for us to start hating pornography. Right. Hating it. Not going away by yourself. The other day I was at the store. And I told my Sunday school class this. Uh, that we got uh, buying several things. And I got two cases of Coke. Uh, it was for the, I think it was for the, the picnic or something. I got two cases of Coke. And they were, they were there in the cart. And I pushed the cart over. And the lady went to ring them up. And she, beep, she just got one of them. And then she went back to the cash back to her cash register and started doing the other stuff. And this is how evil I am. This is how wicked I am. My first thought was, what was my first thought? The same thing that you would have thought. Ooh, I just got a free case of Coke. Isn't that horrible? That's, that's just, but, but don't look all pious because you would have done the same thing. The difference is what happened afterwards you would not have done. And uh, so they, I said, man, a free case of Coke. That's my first thought. And that didn't last long. It lasted maybe 30 minutes. And no, and it lasted, it lasted about about two seconds. And I said to myself, I said, you know, my integrity is not worth 10 bucks. My honesty is not worth 10 bucks. Then I thought, but most of all, I want God's blessing. I might get a free $10 case of Coke and get out of here and lose God's blessing worth a whole lot more. And so the tear in my eye, I said, you only rain up one. And, uh, and, uh, she said, thank you. She ran up the other one. But I walked out and said, you know, I'm so glad that nobody else knows, but God knows. But God knows. Nobody else knows what you look up on your phone. Nobody else knows what you're looking at on your computer. Nobody else knows what you're looking at on that, on that iPad or that tablet. But God knows. And he is, the, he is the just judge, and he's the one who awards us accordingly. I'm saying what we need is we need some good men and some good ladies who decide I hate sin. I hate it. And I'm going to do everything I can to get rid of it. I don't want it in my life. I'm going to get rid of that filth. I'm getting rid of the ungodliness and put it out of your life. We've got to have some people, again, that hate sin. I'm not talking about you just close your eyes. Sort of, you don't really want to do it. I mean, you vehemently hate it. You hate it and you want it out of your life. It's time for us to hate that pornography. Hey, it's time for us to hate the alcohol. Hate it. 
I don't know what it is about alcohol that's infiltrating our, our world again. It is nothing but an ungodly type of drug. And God said, don't even look at it. And we got people here that you got it at home. You got it in your fridge. You put it in your mouth. You drink it. You hang around it. What is wrong with you? We will not flip Anchorage upside down. And we will not make a difference with a bunch of al alcoholic church members. Not going to happen. So you're talking about me? Well, if you ask that question, I probably am. I'm talking about people who hate sin, hate things like stealing, hate things like lying, hate it, hate cussing and cursing. Christians should never have a slip up. Wow. Uh, I'm talking about hating, your, hating your, uh, the clubs, hating bingo, hating karaoke, hating dancing, hating parties, hating your magazines like Cosmopolitan and all that junk. Say, oh, I don't get that magazine. No, you just look it up online. Same difference. Listen, we are not. That's why I said we need a few good men. Where are they? Where are they? Where are the men and the ladies that hate sin? Where are the men and the ladies that, that come down and they despise what God despised? Listen, Jesus died on the cross for those sins. Those very things that you and I partake in are the things that put the nails in Jesus' hands and they put the crown of thorns upon his head. And you and I find pleasure in them. What is wrong with us? Give me some people that hate it. Where they hate the ungodly friends. They hate the gossip. They hate sowing discord. They hate pride. They hate anger. They hate bitterness. They hate unfaithfulness. They hate the wicked ungodliness that has infiltrated our, not only our nation, but now has come and infiltrated our churches. Do we have no churches or Christians that are on fire? We're just dead because most of us have sinned in our lives so heavily we can't get on fire for God. We just need a, we just need a few. Just a few good men. That's all we need. Just a handful that will say, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with sin. I'm done with that lifestyle. I'm done living that way. I'm going home today and cleaning the house a little bit. Give us a few good men. Give me some faithful men. Faithful. I don't understand it. I, 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 don't under, I, do, not, I do not understand unfaithfulness. I don't understand. How in the world do you tell somebody you're going to do something, then just don't do it? How do you do that? How do you have a, 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 a job to do and then just don't show up? I'm saying that right after I didn't show up last Sunday, you know. But anyway, uh, how do we do that? How are you supposed to work the nursery and then just don't show up? How are you supposed to teach a class and then don't show up? How are you supposed to sing a choir and don't show up? How are you supposed to preach a sermon and don't show up? I, I don't understand the unfaithfulness that comes. We need some faithful men. You know, uh, Brother Rick back there was going to start driving my bus. And honestly, I didn't know him from Adam, you know. And I'm like, oh, man, it would be one of those things, you know. Is he really going to show up, you know? You know what? The person I can count on more than anybody, Brother Rick. He's going to be there and drive that bus. It doesn't matter. He's going to drive that bus. If I'm not here, he'll drive that bus. He comes in on Saturdays and in the wintertime, make sure they heat it up, make sure they start. He goes to and puts his own time and his own money and his own labor into it and makes sure that bus is going. And I mean, I, I, listen, I don't know my work. I know I do know. I do know. My workers are faithful. My bus workers are faithful. I, you, will not find, listen, you will not find a more faithful bus worker than the bus workers on my bus. You can count on them. They won't show up. I guarantee it. They're, we need some. I don't understand y'all. Listen, we need some faithful people. Faithful people. I, I, I didn't grow up that way. Let me, tell you, let me tell you the way I grew up. When my dad retired from civil service in, 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 on Ileson, before he retired, he took off of work a year and a half paid vacation. A year and a half full paid vacation. Why? Because for all 20 years, he never took a day off. He went to work every day. And when it was all said and done, he goes, okay, I'm going to retire in a year and a half, so I'm putting in my, for my leave, and he took a year and a half off work. <laughs> full, full pay. That's the way to do it. That's how I grew up. It wasn't a question. You went. It wasn't a question, do I go to work? Of course you go to work. It's not a question, do I do my duties? Of course you do your duties. You do your job. Why? Be faithful people. Faithful people. Every service. Where are the Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night Christians? Where are you at? Where are you at? 
And don't hide behind, I had to work Wednesday. You're a liar. You're a liar. I know you're a liar. Because people have sent me pictures of you where you were on Wednesday night. I'm real careful. I'm real careful stepping out and saying something until I know it. But when I know it, I'll call it like it is. And you're a liar. That's what you are. Where are you? So you think you're the Pope? No, but I think Jesus is the most high God, and you ought to be in his house on Wednesday night if you can be here. That's what I think. I think he is worthy of praise and honor and glory. I think he, is the, he has the preeminence in every life he ought to anyways. Where are the faithful people? Where are the people that keep your word? Where are the fa- you're, telling me you're, gonna, you're telling me you can't come to church on Sunday night, but you'll, you'll be one of, those fa- one of those just a few good men that we need? No, you won't. No, you won't. Where are the soul-winning people? Faithful. Faithful. If you're not, listen, if you are not faithful and soul winning, I guarantee you, you're not going to be faithful reading your Bible and praying. That's what you do. You don't go to church faithfully. You don't go soul winning faithfully. You don't tithe faithfully. You don't do anything visible faithfully. But then you're like, oh, but my walk with God is so good. You're a liar. If your walk with God is good, your church attendance will be good. If your walk with God is good, your soul winning is going to be good. If your walk with God is good, your faithfulness will be good. If your walk with God is good, your sin life will be uh, uh, minimal to none. We need some good men. I'm talking about people who love, to, they love souls. They love souls. Where's our hunger for soul winning? Where's that thing inside of you that says, man, I got to give somebody a gospel tract. I got I to tell them about the Lord. I got to get it out there. I've got to, I've got somebody's lost. Somebody's on their way to hell. You know what I think? I think we forgot what it was like to go to hell. We forgot what it was like to be lost. We forgot what it was like to go to bed every night wondering if we're going to heaven or not. And there's people out there that are dying and dying and dying and dying. I picked up five of them yesterday. Dying. Dying. Where are they? Where are they? Why are they not saved? Because we're too busy watching TV. We're too busy playing Fortnite. We're too busy doing stupid things instead of, instead of being one of the few good men that God is looking for. We need some men and ladies who love souls again. Loves to get out of here and grab a handful of trash. What happened? What, where are the Christians that say, I'm not going to bed tonight until I witness to somebody? Where are the Christians that show up on a Saturday and say, bless God, I'll show up and I'm not going to go home today until I win somebody to Christ? Where are they? Somebody that hungers and thirsts for it. Hey, where are the sacrificial Christians? I'm talking about a few good men. Listen, we are, we are not going to change anything with this half-in, half-out mentality. Not going to happen. We need some Christians that say, I'm in. I'm in, and I'm sacrificing. I'll be a sacrificial, and I'm in. I'm in. Where are they at? We're not going to make a difference. Well, I'll give what I can. No, we got to sacrifice. And I'm not talking about just sacrificing money, although that is a part of it. I'm talking about sacrificing your time. Sacrificing your abilities, sacrifice your evening, sacrifice a day. We're getting ready to paint all the buses here, hopefully, in a, in, in a month or so. Where's going to be the crowd? That's, where are the people that will sacrifice a couple days and help? Talking about people who are loyal, loyal Christians. We just need a few good men. Those men that came up behind David, they heard him say, I want a, a drink of water. And those three men went down and fought through the hosts of the Philistines. Those are loyal men. Those are men that say, my leader wants water. I'm getting him water. That's a loyalty. Boy, we don't, we don't see that loyalty today. This is what we see. Come here. This is what we see today. We see a lot of people doing this. They, they, they hug you with one hand. They stab you in the back with the other. That's what we see. That's what we see. That's what we see in a church. We don't have loyal people to their pastor. We got a bunch of people that if their lips, they do praise you. And in the background, they curse you. The one hand they hug you, and the other hand they stab you. Let me tell you something. We'll never do anything with that type of loyalty in Christianity. We need a few good men. We need a few good men. We, uh, I, I have no respect whatsoever for disloyal people. I have more respect for the wart on the bottom of my foot than I do a disloyal person. None. You can't be loyal. Listen, go find a place you can be loyal to. Why don't, you go, why don't you go join the homosexual crowd? You can be loyal to them probably. Why don't you go join the strip clubs? You'll be homo, you, you, can be, you can be loyal to them. Why don't you go join the, uh, join the, uh, uh, the drug pushing crowd off of Spinard? You can be more loyal to them than you came to God or God's man. Shame on you. Hey, if you can't be loyal, don't be in a church where you can't be loyal to the preacher. 
And by the way, if you can't be loyal to the preacher's wife, you're not loyal to the preacher either. Somebody say amen right there. Thank you. Hey, where are the, where are the few good men who love the Lord? They love God. They love him. You know what it's like to be in love, right? Amen. Huh? You know what it's like? You, you see that girl. Like, <gasps> she sweeps you off your feet. You can't think about anything. You can't concentrate about anything. You got pictures of her all over the place. They're plastered all over your car, all over your, your notebook. And that's all you can think about is the pictures of her. Oh, my goodness, I love her. You daydream about her. You girls, you write your name and his last name, you know. And you're 13. All that you, you know what it's like to be in love. And you get those love letters and, you know, and, and you get the picture in the front of your Bible, you know, and, and, uh, and then you get the notes that you carry around with you everywhere. And, and, you, and then they put perfume on them, so you read the note and go, uh, Amen. you know what it's like to be in love. How, how come we're not in love with the Lord Jesus Christ? How come we don't carry around his love letter with us? How come we don't pick it up and love it and caress it? How come we don't walk around daydreaming about our Savior and daydreaming about someday I'm going to be in glory with Him? Why are we not in love with Jesus Christ? We need a few good men. We need some men that are hunger to serve God. Hunger. Not serve for credit. Not serve for recognition. Not serve for attention. But they serve just because they need to serve. We need some men like that. We need some ladies like that. There's tons of things that need to get done. Tons of things that need to get done. Listen, why, why, why do we have some people that come by and say, hey, preacher, give me a job. I got, I'm going to give you two hours this week. Give me a job to do. Listen, there is so much stuff to be done around here. Amen. There's so much to be done. And I can't do it all. I can't do it all. I work on average about 80 hours a week here at the church. Then I work about 20 hours a week at the funeral home. And then I, then, then I got, then I got uh, uh, six kids. That's 300 hours a week right there. Uh, then a wife. That's another 400 hours a week right there. And, and uh, listen, there's stuff to be done. My dad and I, when we joined, when we got saved, and we joined the church, there was not a thing that went on that church we were not a part of. And I mean a major part. We shoveled when it snowed. My dad plowed the parking lot. We set up all the Sunday school classes every week. We cleaned all of the buildings. We took down all the classes after Sunday night and got them ready for the Christian school. We changed the sign out front every week that needed changing. We did all the bulletins and put those together every week. We were in the bus ministry. We joined the choir. That's how pathetic it was. We actually joined the choir. We were in the choir. And every, it did not matter what it was. Every single thing. Food bank on Thursday. Soul winning on Thursday night. Uh, 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 uh. Friday activities, all day, Saturday, so it didn't matter what it was. We were there for every single thing. Maybe that's why we have a heart for God. Maybe that's why we love the Lord. Hey, I'm trying to say today, listen, we need a few good men. We just need a few. Basically, this is, listen carefully. Basically, we need some people who are 100% sold out for Jesus Christ. That's it. 100% sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Surrendered. Completely surrendered. We don't have that today. You know what we have? We have people that will come in and give a little to God here and there, and they'll do a little something for the Lord now and then, but they're not 100% sold out for Jesus Christ. And once we surrender, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give, I will ever love and trust him. And in his presence daily live. We just need a few good men, people that will sell out and say, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, uh, take the world, but give me Jesus. That's what I want. We just need a few that are committed to death. Committed to death. Where are the soldiers of Jesus Christ? We sing it. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Ye soldiers of the cross, lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. We sing it, but where are we? We're more concerned about the things of this world than we are the things of the next world. I got a call the other day. I got a call from the other day from somebody, and this is what they said to me. They said, Preacher, I've not forgot your vision. You want to start 10 churches in Anchorage. 
And I said, yeah. You know what? I do. I do. I want to start those 10 churches in Anchorage. I don't have much time. I'm, I'm 44. I'm, I'm almost dead as it is. And uh, 44, does, does it get any older than this? Is, is there life past 44? I don't know. Uh, 44 years old. In six years, six more years. You know how fast six years is going to go? Six years, I'll be 50. That's when I got to buy my sports car. And uh, fi- I'll be 50 years old. My life is going to be gone. 50 years old, that's old. I can't imagine. That's old people. Old people. How old are you? Never mind. Old people. And uh, 50. I came in this morning and we started Sunday school with just a handful of us. It was, it was, it was me, Miss Robin, Miss Sarah, Miss Sylvia, Liz, and Fran. And I said, well, I guess it's me and the old ladies. Let's all stand. And, uh, but, uh, you know, the, uh, they didn't think it was funny either. Um, Ten churches. Yeah. Yeah, I do but we need a few good men. Who's going to be the man that will start these churches? You know, I was thinking about it the other day. I think Johanna's going to start a church one day. Devin, you can start a church. Melvin, you can, I don't, you can start a church. Why are you looking around? Look at you. You can start a church. Josue, you can start a church. Alan, you can work at McDonald's. and uh, you, you can start a church. Michael O'Connor, man, God could use you to start a church. You young guys down there, Joseph, Caleb, Rodrigo, and Jonathan, God, uh, God could use you guys, I think, uh, somewhere. I don't know where. But Listen, Seth, God could use you to start a church. And some of you guys that don't think God would ever use you, you'd be shocked. Next thing you know, Dickerson's starting a church. It starts 15 minutes late, but he starts the church. And uh, <laughs> MJ, you can start a church. Apollonio can start a church. I'm just saying. Hey, wait a minute. But we can't do it with a bunch of sin in our life, being unfaithful, being disloyal, not loving the Lord, not serving him, not loving souls, not being sacrificial. We need a few good men who say, I'll go down and get him a drink of water. We're not going to bow to that statue. Let's get our friend to Jesus. Just a handful of people that'll say, we're not scared to go to battle. Send 22,000 away. We're not going to drink like a dog. Send the 9,700 away. We, the 300 will stand and we will do something and make a difference. I see God doing something great. If we have just a few, give me 10 men. Give me 10 ladies. Give me 10 teenagers who will say, I'm sold out. I'm sold out for the Lord, and I guarantee you we'll flip Anchorage upside down. Let's bow our heads together, please.